Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural episode of How the Fuck Did We Get Here, the worst cultural podcast on the web. I'm Chuck, and I'm sitting here with Mason. Yo. And Nader. Yer. On this podcast, we trace modern cultural phenomena back to their roots to try and explain how the fuck we got here. And today, we're going to be tracing the roots of trap metal, which includes artists like City Morgue and Scarlord, back through the decades, starting with the birth of metal. But before reaching the inception of trap metal, we have to backtrack through the genres and the artists that came first and lay the groundwork for the subgenre we know today. So to do this, we must start with metal and its formation over time, as it would set the tone and be a significant influence for today's trap metal artists. Up top, we should probably make the note here that trap metal isn't literally just trap plus metal. It's a mix of all types of different shit. There's punk, metalcore, emo. You'll find some dubstep in there sometimes. But metal kind of fathered a lot of the genres that you're going to find in the mix, so we figured it would make the most sense to start there. Yeah, so the first actual heavy metal band has been highly debated, and you'll kind of find that with a lot of genres that we dive into. But many claim with heavy metal that it was Black Sabbath. Now, Getting Lee of Rush claims that a band named Blue Cheer may have been the first metal band, and some cite their song Summertime Blues as the first song in the heavy metal genre. But I think here we should also give some recognition to other early pioneers of the metal genre, such as Cream, Hendrix, Blue Oyster Cult, Zeppelin, and the Stooges. Yeah, there's kind of a lot of artists at the starting point that helped shape the sound, but Sabbath is kind of just like the safe bet pick. Uh, saying Sabbath is the one that's not going to get us gunned down by like skinny white dudes with goatees. And Sabbath is kind of the band that you think of when you think of classic metal sound. And over time, metal has evolved and started to become more melodic and fast-paced. But with this evolution, it always stuck to its core of that demonic quality thanks to the devil's tritone. That being an interval of three tones whose dissonant qualities result in a superbly sinister feeling to the listener. Sorry, This sound is essentially the basis for the dark, devilish qualities of metal as we know it today. Fun fact about that, uh, apparently musicians in the Middle Ages were occasionally killed for using the tritone because people thought it would summon the devil, but they also thought that about like women speaking in public and dresses that went above the ankles, so, you know, a lot of shit could get you killed. The Middle Ages. We're just killing people for fun. Well, trap metal is very similar to metal in this sense, not the whole like killing women and shit, whatever, as the subgenre also carries a dark, sinister, and demolic demonic feeling. This is created by using various samples and sounds that are not created by traditional instruments like you would find in other genres. And another huge similarity that ties trap metal and a lot of its other influences together like punk is being intentionally provocative. In you know, the same way that in metal Alice Cooper would pretend to cut his head off on stage and the Sex Pistols in punk would wear swastikas and shit like that. Trap metal dudes give themselves names like Cameron Nazi and put clips of people literally shooting heroin into their music videos. I have two questions, though. How does Alice Cooper... How did he pretend to cut his head off on stage? What? He had, like, a... It was, it's dope, man. You should look it up. But it's uh, he had, like, a guillotine rigged up, and it would be, like, one of those magic tricks almost where a magician pretends to cut their head off with a guillotine and, like, blood spurts out and shit like that. 
but he made it a part of his stage show. So he would have like a fake head and then the guillotine would drop and his head would like drop into a basket and then like it was the oh, blood would fly everywhere. Fuck. His stage shows are cool as shit. What the fuck? What the That's... fuck? I thought Travis Scott had cool concerts. What the fuck? That's fucked. When when did he like tour? Like when did when was he active in performing? I want to say like uh ooh, good question. I want to say like late 70s definitely through the 80s i think like late 70s early 80s don't cite me on that but i'm go. pretty sure that's accurate all right so i'm guessing for that time too that was really fucking edgy as well people lost their minds like i remember judas priest literally got called into court to like explain themselves basically because people thought that it was like corrupting the children and like yeah people thought that they were devil worshippers which is funny because the guy who got called into court from judas priest is actually a christian um but they called He's... him into court and roasted his ass he he was good though he held he held his own all right all right good to know all right so metal also varies as it is heavily influenced by dark classical music but trap metal replaces this inspiration, especially in terms of vocals, with a more dirty, aggressive, angry trap sound. Metal and trap metal sit closely together in a cultural sense, as many metal musicians, including Tony Iommi, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, uh, Lemmy Kilmister, James Schaffer of Korn, all cite their disaffected upbringing as influential to their music. And as we get into the formation of trap music, the similarity begins to become very clear. I just want to make the note that, like, I think a lot of art also comes from, like, a place of, like, disaffected upbringing and kind of, like, you know, stuff like that, like poverty and, you know, abuse in some cases, especially in the case of Corn's uh, lead vocalist, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, but I think that metal and trap metal and stuff like that really takes those like darker themes and doesn't shy away from them i think it kind of embraces them in a way and turns them into art which is a common theme you know between metal punk trap metal trap music in general like it's just one of those things So now we're going to, you know, dive into rap metal because it's sort of relevant to trap metal, but because it's rap and trap, but we must make the distinction um, that there's a major difference between rap metal and trap metal because rap metal is more of a precursor to trap metal than an early version of it. Yeah, we kind of yada 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 through like a lot of metal history, but that's because we're not really a metal history podcast. We don't want to get too lost in the weeds with it. Um, but then the other thing I want to say is that rap metal is very similar to trap metal in a lot of ways, but it's kind of like a thing. It's kind of similar to how Iggy and the Stooges were super inspirational to punk. They were technically like people classify them as proto punk. But when you listen to the Stooges and then you put it next to like a mid eighties punk band, like bad religion, they sound fucking nothing alike. So in the same way, rap metal was like proto trap metal a lot of the same themes some of the same sounds even but it doesn't sound the same and i think when we were researching this and talking about this you you also were very clear that <laughs> rap metal is kind of trash and i think in your opinion or other people might share the same opinion compared to trap metal 
<laughs> I mean, there's a lot of really, really corny rap metal, but you can't like I'll defend corn. I think corn is dope. And like you can't you can't shit talk rage against the machine. They are mm-hmm. fucking awesome. But then there's a lot of, you know, rap metal that's like limp biscuit, which is like, all right. We're good on that. We, yeah, we which we'll come back have to. to do that. But yeah. So with that said, uh, I think we can start by highlighting a few bands and artists that got into the rap metal subgenre first. So what is widely considered to be the first rap metal song came from Anthrax, with the song being "I'm the Man" off the EP "I'm the Man." There is also a right there, yo. Oh, I know, right? Very creative. There's a Dutch rap metal group that apparently formed in '86, but their first album didn't come out till. 89 so i guess we got to give it to anthrax this is i actually didn't know that anthrax kind of made the first like rap metal song which blew my fucking mind because i like listened to anthrax in high school and anthrax is literally one of the big four of american thrash metal bands like for like during their time and even now like if you talk to metalheads they're literally like up there with Metallica, with Slayer, with Megadeth. They are the dudes. And um, I think that's fun, but it's also kind of a shame that they had to go and make rap metal so that they could shit out Limp Biscuit being so fantastic. But <laughs> I mean, that's evolution. This is the fuck Limp Biscuit podcast right now. Yeah, straight bro, up. Bro, well, it's got to happen with genres, bro. There's always got to be the fucking shit end and the good end. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I went and listened to I'm the Man. It didn't do it for me. I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to come on here and say anything bad about Anthrax because they're great. And if any metalheads are listening to this, they're just going to fucking butcher me for it. But I'm the Man was n- not a good fucking song. It, I just didn't <laughs> like it. I think it's safe to say that it, that song is maybe it, it's not timeless like other music is. It's not evergreen, yeah. It, it, it had its moment, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the genre really exploded in the mid '90s to early 2000s with bands like Corn, Rage Against the Machine, as you had previous, uh, as we had previously brought up, and again, unfortunately, Limp Yo, Biscuit. fuck Limp Biscuit. Yo, <laughs> Red Durst can suck my nuts. <laughs> I just want to point out, like, so it's on record, that in the original draft of this outline that Mason sent out, he spelled the band name of Limp Biscuit like Biscuit, like the food, which, in my opinion, makes it worse, which is kind of impressive because I think that Limp Biscuit might be the worst band name in history. So props to Mason for, like, really topping what may have been the worst thing to ever happen. But also point out he still didn't edit it out of the fucking... No, he didn't <laughs> fix it. it. Like, I'm literally reading oh. it, and it says Biscuit. Because why not? Why the fuck not? Um, I mean... <laughs> Here, we'll leave it at that and we'll move on, all right? We'll, we'll move on. So around the same time in hip-hop, artists started bringing a more aggressive, louder vocal delivery to mainstream rap. Artists and groups like DMX, Little John, Onyx. Although this style isn't exactly new because the Beastie Boys had already brought over a more aggressive delivery into rap from their time as a hardcore punk band. So, And if you heard the Beastie Boys and DMX back-to-back, you would hear how different they are stylistically but they both carry an aggressive tone in their delivery, which keeps them similar. 
Yeah, like the 90s really kind of like was almost in a way the peak up until now. It was kind of the peak for like shout rap and like stuff like that. Like Lil John songs are just like all shouting. But that being said, there is a long ass history of screaming and shouting in hip hop as a vocal delivery style. Genius has a whole video about it, I think, like a 10 minute video. But the point that we're making is that the 90s is when mainstream rap really started to get that shouty vocal delivery style that was distinctly different from more laid back stuff like Snoop, you know, most of NWA's catalog, even like 50 Cent a little later. Like in the 90s, dudes were really coming out and just like shouting, growling, like using a lot of those vocal delivery styles that you would see in trap metal later on. The 90s in general produced a ton of influential music in terms of both hip-hop and metal. But the early 2000s would mark a shift in hip-hop that would be felt in literally every genre of popular music to this day. That shift was the popularization of trap. The 90s introduced the emergence of trap music, although not popularized in this decade, some artists who paved the way for the genre can be seen having great success in this time period. And it goes back to what, you know, what we were saying before about rap metal and trap metal or about like proto-punk and punk. It's not the same. It doesn't sound the same. No genre kind of comes out of the womb fully formed. It's just that stuff in this kind of 90s era was laying down the groundwork, especially when it comes to lyrical content, what they were rapping about. They're really laying the groundwork for trap as it would come to be known later on. Yeah, and I think a lot of genres, um, well, I think if, if genres stayed sort of content with where they were and never really progressed forward and there was no other artists that came in to sort of progress and advance the sound, then a lot of them would die off and that's why they're not talked about. Dude, look at post-grunge. Like, we're talking bands, like, the one, the big one that comes to mind is, like, Nickelback. Like, post-grunge really stagnated super duper hard like people just weren't progressing that sound and that's honestly why like i say nickelback and i mostly say that because i don't think i can name a lot of other post-grunge artists just because as much as i have loved grunge and rock and everything in that whole world my entire life i literally grew up on it i can't name like five post-grunge artists because i pretty much skipped it because it was so samey if you've heard a nickelback song you've heard the entire discography of like 10 or 11 other post-grunge bands. It just happens. If you don't evolve, you die out. And that's true of everything. The early 90s brought in artists such as UGK, 8Ball, MJG, shut up my initials, 3-6 Mafia, Cool Breeze, Kulo Ali, and Master P, who were among the first rappers to introduce trap music. And it was in 1992 when UGK released Pocket Full of Stones, which is one of the earliest trap records to be released. This track came off their major label debut album, Too Hard to Swallow. Later, in 1996, Master P released his single, Mr. Ice Cream Man. It was in this record that lyrics covered topics about life in the trap. Again, it doesn't, like, when we say it's trap, if you, like, go and listen to it, expecting, you know, like, Future to jump on and just have, like, this, like, gnarly, dark as hell trap beat you're not gonna get that it it didn't sound the same 
but the lyrical content is what really connected it. Like, if you listen to Pocket Full of Stones, they're talking about the same shit that T.I. would end up talking about, that Future would end up talking about in a lot of songs. It's the lyrical content that connects everything. The, the term trap originated in Atlanta, Georgia, and refers to a place, you know, where drug deals are made. Um, it was the rappers whose lyrics centered around drug dealing who began to be referred to as trap rappers. Rappers in collectives such as Cool Breeze, Dungeon Family, Goody Mob, Ghetto Mafia, and Outkast were some of the first to actually coin the term. Fun fact that I just, like, love, and I, I also love throwing this in, like, super hardcore old head faces who are like, oh, this mumble crap is garbage. Uh, Outkast and Future were both members of the Dungeon Family uh, at one point, as well as Killer Mike from Run the Jewels and Goody Mob. But, yeah, like... Dungeon Family was crazy influential, and they really did help pioneer a lot of Atlanta's sound. So, you know, Future gets the sign-off from them. I don't think that a lot of people should be able to talk shit about Future, but, you know, everybody's got opinions. Back at that time in the 90s, Outkast was also an emerging artist who brought more attention to the South, which would later benefit T.I. and his success. Yeah, Outkast wore their Atlanta origins on their sleeve super heavy. Like, their uh, their second album was literally called AT Aliens. So when they blew up, I think in the hip-hop world, there were a lot of eyes on Atlanta. And Atlanta rose to the situation. Like, less than 10 years later, they would birth Trap as we know it today. And on top of that, they're still known as some of, like, the like Atlanta rap is known to be some of the most sonically innovative rap in the game. Like, now and for the past like what five years ten even since outcast like atlanta just is sonically innovative in hip-hop and that's a fact oh yeah some of the biggest artists nowadays are all atlanta residents which Big is time. crazy that is and even a bunch of the producers like oh, the whole sound yeah it's crazy like how influential that is too like, like a lot of the new sound and shit that we're hearing like the shit that's been like really popular is all Atlanta or the South, you know, like I'm thinking like Metro Boomin's from like St. Louis, Missouri, all the other like big like um, producers you think of. And these are guys that are actually, you know, making the music that you're hearing, like the actual beats and shit. All of them from the South, most of them from Atlanta, which is crazy considering like where like the early beginnings came from. Yeah. Uh, Young Thug is from Atlanta, and this yeah. one, I might catch flack for this, but in my opinion, Young Thug is one of, like, the most unique, innovative artists in the game right now, and honestly in the game for, like, the past however long he's been around. Young oh, Thug is crazy. Young Thug paved the way for a lot of shit, and a lot of people get mad when you say that, but it's facts. All these dudes are his sons, man, that's a fact. Literally his children, his offspring. Yo, if you, you if you think about it, isn't fucking Young Thug is sort of like this era's Space Ghost perp. Like, we'll get back to that later. But is he not? I mean, yeah. I, I in terms would... of influence, in terms, like, like, Young Thug has definitely held himself together way better. But in terms of influence of sound. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're so close together that I don't want to make the distinction of like, oh, he's this era's SGP. Because like... I don't think he started, he was like a couple years after Perp, maybe, but like, I will definitely give you, I see the point you're making. They're both mm -hmm. crazy influential, and you can hear it in hip-hop everywhere, but I think that Space Ghost Perp's influence is still relevant today, so I don't think you could totally discount him, but I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to that one. 
The actual popularization of trap music and the groundwork for what it would eventually become was tied hand in hand with mixtape becoming popularized to the point where it became mainstream. 50 Cent is a prime example of this as this was his way to jumpstart his career in New York. 50 kept dropping mixtapes which had great reception, so much so that from this he grew beyond the local scene and started to gain serious recognition. Yeah, and like, I think that a lot of like hip-hop historians would kind of agree that 50 was kind of like the dude who made mixtapes stop being... There's like a pre-50 Cent era and a post-50 Cent era. 50 Cent changed the rap game and changed how everybody thought about mixtapes, and as soon as that kind of clicked with the rest of the hip-hop scene all over America, shit changed, dude. Like, when people realized that they could just do what 50 did, shit changed. Yo, you know what's a fucking funny thing I'm thinking about now? When I was, like, younger, because, like, 50 Cent is, like, right, like, when I was starting to get old enough to, like, kind of, like, listen to music, maybe a bit before, but... I never understood the difference between mixtapes and albums because I'm like, yo, they're both like mainstream. So this is mad cool to hear how like 50 Cent is the one that kind of changed that shit. Yeah, that was 50. He he kind of made it like that, definitely. It was actually T.I. that trap music really begins to make a name for itself in the mainstream as T.I. becomes one of the first big trap artists. T.I.'s pioneering trap sound was heavily influenced by growing up in Section 8 neighborhoods around dealers and selling crack himself when he was only 15 years old. It's fucking crazy. What is that, like grade 10 or some shit? Grade 9? Yeah, literally. So he starts selling all day, every day to eat and pay bills and realized he wanted to bring a voice to people in that same position. So that's when he actually started rapping. And he would perform at the trap he was selling out of. This cracks me up so fucking hard. Like... Imagine you're strung out, out of your fucking mind, you need a hit, and you're just blowing up your crack dealer's pager, and he's not getting back to you, so you walk all the way to his trap in the Atlanta fucking heat, and you, like, knock on the living room door, you hear music coming out of it, you walk in, and there's fucking skinny as shit, 15-year-old T.I. rapping for, like, 10 people into a $20 microphone he bought from the pawn shop, and you're like, (laughs) like, what do you say, like... You just like walk up behind him and like tap on his shoulder and be like, "Hey man, you you got any you got any rocks? I need some crack, bro." <laughs> yo, <laughs> the fuck! You're just like, yo, you rap good as shit, but I still need another hit. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that same dude a couple years later is walking by like a fucking TV store and just sees him fucking performing. He's like, "Oh, that dude used to sell me crack. That's fucked." <laughs> T.I. started getting beats from a producer named DJ Toomp, who helped build the trap beat as we know it, by altering samples on drum machines, specifically the Roland TR-808, a piece of hardware known to have helped shape the trap sound and influences hip-hop greatly to this day. The two in particular are the kick, wherein the decay is lowered to create the deep, booming, stereotypical trap 808 that is now ubiquitous, as well as the snare and hi-hat, which were adjusted with a time-correct slider to create the now immediately recognizable, stereotypical trap hi-hat. Yeah, that's like, if you listen to trap music now, you'll hear it. It's like the triplet hi-hat. It's like the... Like that kind of sound. Um, oh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking hear about. like all music now, I swear. Yeah, literally everything. Something that I wanted to add about the TR-808, because I am like a little baby music nerd a little bit, um, is that at the time of the TR-808's release, it wasn't very popular at all with most music producers. A lot of producers wouldn't touch it. And this is because 
most drum machines, which is what the TAR-808 was, most drum machines of the time were pieces of equipment that were loaded up with literally recorded sounds of actual drums. Like, someone would hit a snare into a mic, and then that sound would get uploaded onto a piece of equipment, and that's what drum machines were. In contrast, though, the TR-808 was all synthesized drum sounds, which is basically the equivalent of, like, a robot making its best drum impression with its robot mouth. So it sounded weird and different from what a lot of other drum machines sounded like. And because of that, producers didn't like the sound of it in general. So resulting from this, the TR-808 was pretty easy to find for cheap at pawn shops, which was perfect for aspiring producers who didn't really have too much of a budget for their equipment. Which, you know, may have partially been why it was so popular in certain areas of Atlanta. Yeah, in the trap. T.I. then started getting support in the South, specifically in Atlanta and took Trap as a subgenre with him. But he didn't gain much support from labels at the time, if at all. This was due to the themes of the music, and this is pretty reminiscent of N.W.A. and the rise of gangster rap at the time. At this time, T.I. was on LaFace Records, the label responsible for breaking acts like Outkast, Pink, and Tony Braxton, and he ended up submitting his debut album to the label called I'm Serious. Ellie Reed was running the label at the time, and he questioned the music's radio playability due to the themes. When the album was released, it did not come with a huge marketing campaign by the label and actually ended up only selling about 200,000 copies, which at that time was considered a flop. After seeing the success of 50 Cent in the mixtape game, T.I. and his people wanted to replicate it, so they started putting out mixtapes of their own. The song 24s ended up on one of these mixtapes, and after its massive success, Ellie Reid reached out to T.I. to get the second album started. 24s is a perfect song. 24s is better than anything Beethoven ever put out. <laughs> 24s is better than anything that like any of these classically trained composers ever put out. It's literally perfect. Go listen to it. Yeah, I responded that he wanted a million dollars to do the album or he would be off the label. So, of course, he was promptly kicked off the label. Yeah, L.A. Reid was literally breaking dudes like Outkast, you know, there's a bunch of, you go look at LaFace's, like, the acts that they broke, they were crazy popular at the time. They were, like, booming, not even just in hip-hop, they were making money all over the place. So when this dude who rapped about selling crack rock was like, yeah, let me get a million dollars to make an album, L.A. Reid just went, ha, yeah, that's funny, click. I guess he missed out on a shit ton of money because after this, he ended up with a $2 million deal and a joint venture at Atlantic Records, where he would put out an album in 2003 called Trap Music. Classic. Which ended up being one of the most influential albums in trap history, so L.A. Reid can hold that L. Mm -hmm. This album marked the emergence of the first wave of mainstream trap music, with over 2.1 million copies sold. Two years later, in 2005, Young Jeezy dropped his debut album, Let's Get It, Thug Motivation 101. That's a fire-ass fucking album I know, name. I know, right? That's dope. And that album actually debuted at number two and sold 172,000 copies in its first week. The album later went on to go platinum, 
Yeah, and I just want to make the note right here, because if you're, like, a big fan of hip-hop history, you're probably already thinking it. We sort of glazed over the careers of Jeezy and Gucci Mane, and we don't mean any disrespect by that. They're both fucking legends. They're both super influential in the development and popularization of trap music. And there's, like, a whole Tesla versus Edison thing happening with the invention of trap. You know, T.I. is on one side, and then Jeezy and Gucci are on the other. But we kind of left it out just for the sake of the narrative. Um, It's a topic that could literally have a whole other podcast, and I've watched videos about it. We just didn't want to delve into it, because like like I said before, we don't want to get lost in the weeds. For our purposes, we're rocking with T.I., that's just how it is. If you rock with Gucci and Jeezy, that's a totally acceptable stance to take. Please don't shoot up our houses. You are, we're both right. There's no wrong answers. At this time, with all of this music and with all those artists you just mentioned, too, it was the producers on these projects who actually played a major role in the growth and development of the trap sound. Uh, some of these producers include Shoddy Red, Drama Boy, Manny Fresh, and Michael Made It, which we still hear his tag all the time. These producers brought a darker energy, a gothic feel, and mixed these with street culture and this wasn't coming out of nowhere either because like we said before three six mafia were like one of the early like first wave quote unquote of trap music and this was like their fucking thing like they were literally called three six mafia they constantly were like always using this dark ass inverted cross like kind of demonic imagery in their shit and on top of the fact that it influenced this more popular wave of trap that was coming out around this time, it would also be influential literally to this day. Like, their dark energy would be influential to, like, future and then coming right up to modern uh, trap metal. It's super influential to, like, Suicide Boys especially. I think uh, I think Suicide Boys have a song with Juicy J, actually, like, their gothic feel was one of the most influential aspects of hip-hop, honestly, in the modern era. They influenced SGP, Space Ghost Perp, who we'll get into. They were so ahead of their time, it's not funny. As the trap sound became more and more popular, it started to cross over into other genres, which is why I think it's so mainstream today. It blew up in pop, made its way to even K-pop, and became totally and completely ubiquitous. It's only natural that it would start to cross into other genres and make fusions of them. Like like we were saying before, that triplet hi-hat that is uh, that classic trap sound. I think you hear it in almost all music that comes out today. And everywhere. If you if you turn on new country radio, like uh where where I live in Brantford, we it's called like the frog or some shit like that. And it's like a new country radio station. If you turn that on and listen for like 20 minutes, you'll hear like three songs that are quote unquote country that have trap hi-hats in them. Bro, honestly, you even hear that shit in like Arabic music, which is fucked. Why the fuck do they have 808s and hi-hats in it? But who knows? But it sounds good. Everyone's it's taking everywhere. it. Yeah, it's everywhere. You think that like other artists from other um, who are predom- predominantly in other genres are taking that? because it's popular or because they genuinely think it sounds good and would like suit their music i feel like it's definitely like a mix of both you know because people are like all the music people are listening to is gonna have this pattern of hi-hats and 808s and shit so you're gonna be like okay i want to influence this and also because you're listening to a lot you're gonna like it more so you're gonna want it in your shit as well you know 
Yeah, I think it's just, I think I, I'm with Nader. I think it's a mixture of both. I think it's because it's popular, they want to use it. But then also because it's so fucking versatile, like artists in different genres, like country and all this shit in like the 80s, they couldn't go and take like glam metal guitar and like skinny leather pants and just like insert that into their music and be like, yeah, it's influenced. You know what I mean? Like it, it was too specific. Trap. 808s and drum lines can be put into anything so it's popular and you can fit it into whatever you want so it's like fuck it why not do it it's right there it's relatively easy to do it's, it's yeah it's it's definitely a mixture of both and from this emerge artists like you know suicide boys um influenced equally by artists like future and gucci Mane on one side or bad brains and metalcore on the other yeah, fun fact for all my Suicide Boys fans out there, shout out y'all, Ruby was a drummer in like a thrashy hardcore punk band called Vapo Rats before linking up with Scrim and forming Suicide Boys. And Vapo Rats are great, by the way. Like, if you're ever bored, go check out Vapo Rats. If you like hardcore punk, you're going to love it. They're awesome. So Now, Finn McKenzie from the punk rock NBA largely splits it into two categories. It's Dark Trap, consisting of artists like Suicide Boys, Bones, and Puya along with others which are on the less heavy side, closer to a dark take on trap. And trap metal, which would be artists like Cameron Nazi, City Morgue, and Scarlord, which are pretty much straight-up metal, but with a rap flavor. These guys are a little closer to new metal. This definitely isn't a bad take by any means, and Finn is fucking awesome, but I personally think that alternative rap in general all kind of falls onto a spectrum, sort of. On the harder, like, actual trap metal side of it, you've got dudes like Ghostmane, Scarlord, City Morgue, Camera Nazi, that type of stuff. Then somewhere in the middle, you've got the dark trap wave. That would be Suicide Boys, Bones, Sesh Hollow in general, Poya, that kind of stuff. But then, on the other end of that spectrum, the opposite end from straight-up trap metal, I think you've got the more emo rap side. That's going to be dudes like Lil Peep, Brennan Savage, you could even put like smart death in there, that kind of stuff. They're all distinctly different, but they all fall on the same spectrum because they all originate out of the same core idea of mixing trap sounds with alternative music, be that metal, punk, emo, whatever you want to say. So shout out Finn. We have different opinions, but they're close. So with that said, we have now covered metal, rap metal, and the emergence of trap music which are all large influences on what we can call trap metal today. These influences vary through general tones and styles to certain artists having a big impact on the pioneers of trap metal. And like I said before, we did choose the genres that we chose in particular because they're hugely influential, but there are a bunch of other influences in there. If I had to make a pie chart of like trap metal's biggest influences, I would put it like 50% trap, 30% metal, 15% punk, and 5% other. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. And also, one more note, I know you all hate this, but before we jump into trap metal, one thing that I want to say right now is that what we are about to discuss is closer to the inception of alternative rap than it is to strictly the inception of trap metal. This is where alternative music and rap really start to get mixed together in a way that would produce trap metal 
but would also produce dark trap and emo rap, like I was talking about before. These three subgenres all came out of the same scene, and they all fall under the umbrella of alternative rap, but they sound distinctly different in their current iterations. The reason we're not going to make the distinction at this point is because, like I said, they literally rose out of the same scene at roughly the same time. So talking about the inception of trap metal is pretty much the exact same as talking about the inception of alternative rap, and vice versa. On that note, I think this is an important spot to bring up a group we have been previously mentioning called 36 Mafia, surprise surprise, and their influence on Space Ghost Perp, who I'm going to keep calling SGP because I don't want to say his full name. Now, the inception of trap metal has been highly debated, and no one really has a clear 100% yeah, this is the guy who pioneered the genre set in stone answer to that question, but it seems that the general consensus goes in favor of SGP, and that is largely because he created Raider Clan, which spawned a whole underground movement that we are still hearing remnants from past members today. Yeah, the influence of Raider Clan literally cannot be overstated. Some of the biggest stars of the past couple years have heavily benefited from working with former Raider Clan members. You got X and Ski Mask, I'm pretty sure they lived with Denzel Curry. Lil Peep and Ghostmane were in a group with former Raider Clan member Jay Green. Like, if you ever want to see how the web of underground hip-hop in the States is connected, go check out Raider Clan. That's the place to start. SGP himself brought a much darker feel to his music using distorted sounds and usage of demonic imagery, as well as a general tone of anti-establishment. He also had a much slower, old-school sound to him, which was not as popular during his emergence. It was his 2010 NASA, the mixtape, that really projected him into the space of influence. This tape blended Memphis rap, trap, and aggressive, booming, heavy 808s with heavy lyrical references to drugs and sex, and turned it all into a dark lo-fi sound. And it was this sound that would later influence the works of Bones, Xavier Wolf, ASAP Rocky, and X. Yeah, I think that you could make a very strong case for SGP and his whole sound basically kind of birthing the entire South Florida SoundCloud rap scene. Like dudes like Smoke Perp, X, like you said, Lil Pump, they're all Space Ghost Perp's sons. Like, that's a fact. This era would have been in the early 2010s when a quicker paced sound mixed with trap influences was what was hot at the time. But the underground was eating that Memphis shit up. The slower, chopped and screwed sounding darker shit was going crazy because you gotta remember that this was around the same time that ASAP Rocky's Purple Swag came out. And at the time, ASAP Mob was still considered underground rap. You know, there was beef between ASAP Mob and Raider Clan because they were both so close together and using the same sounds. But yeah, that sound was just starting to take off. Now, if you ask anybody who knows anything about hip-hop, trap, and rap music today, they would... Say SGP is one of the biggest influences there is for the times. And Chuck, I don't think I'm off with saying that. Nah, B, that's factual. Uh, I don't think that hip-hop would sound anywhere close to what it does right now without Space Ghost Perp and, by extension, Raider Clan. Their butterfly effect is crazy. They really helped shape, you know, music, hip-hop specifically, and fashion, and what those would look like for, like, easily a fucking decade. We're still seeing it now. Exactly, and I think a major place we see that immediately after 
is ASAP Mob, which might be a hot take, but if you look at SGP's early work and then look at what ASAP Rocky and other members started putting out, it is super, super similar to what SGP was doing. Yeah, I think actually that Space Ghost Perp made beats for Rocky. I think that Space Ghost Perp might have actually made the beat for Purple Swag. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he did. And like they were, it was the same aesthetic too. All black clothes, hieroglyphics, black and white music videos with the gold grills shining like that being the only colored part of the music video. Like the syrupy Memphis sound. Like fuck, it's a shame that they fell out the way they did. Because if they have, like if they had teamed up. That shit would have been unstoppable. Like, imagine what that would have looked like. Like, Raider Clan members mingling with, like, ASAP mob members. Fucking ASAP Curry. That would have been <laughs> fucking insane. Bro, they're fucking... They're falling out, apparently. Like, I saw in an interview with SGP was over some really petty shit, too. Like, I'm not gonna go into full detail to explain it, but basically, it, it, it was, like... It, it, it might as well have been a miscommunication. And that's, like, the whole, whole reason why the two of them, like, the group split off from each other. It's fucking stupid. But, like, was yeah. it, like, stealing sound and then, like, also just, like, dumbass petty shit that kind of got between them? Well, it was... It, it was a lot of, like, yeah, there's a lot of similarities within, like, their sound and style. Yeah. But, like, it, no, it was literally, like, some weird situation at a show where the cops got called and they wanted us... And, like i guess the cops wanted sgp to turn himself in he's like yo i'm gonna go turn myself in um and then like maybe other people were telling him not to or some shit so he flew back home to go be with his people and then there was people in, uh, in rocky's ear telling him basically like yeah sgp is like a coward he's running running from the cops oh. sh- so, like some weird shit like that like i can't i don't remember fully i might be butchering that as well but it's something similar to that like some like hood politics type shit yeah but it's it, it was literally just like like some, stupidity the wrong people telling like if sgp and asap rocky got together and just talked it out after i think it would have been a lot different but yeah you know yeah shit, but... shit turns out how it is but at the same time though like sgp and like this is not demeaning like i'm not trying to shit talk at all as someone who has like fucking mental health problems myself space ghost perp has like some issues for sure and like he'll get into like moods where he just pops off and does totally fucking inappropriate shit like i don't know if you guys have heard uh space ghost pussy the uh space ghost perp disc yeah i sent that in the chat but um that was a that was a reaction because Denzel Curry, who was Raider Clan, pretty much like right up until that point, um, dropped that song with X and Ski Mask and shit because Space Ghost Perp got on Twitter and this was shortly after ASAP Yams had died. Fucking R.I.P. Crazy, mm-hmm. like crazy hip hop mastermind. This was shortly after Yams had died. And Space Ghost Perp got on Twitter and said some shit about he was going to dig up ASAP yams and put headphones in, like, his rotting ears and make him listen to the new Space Ghost Perp tape or some shit like that. Like, just some mad, foul, mad, disrespectful shit that, like, was totally uncalled for. And that was pretty much the point when even Denzel Curry, who was, like, an early Raider Clan influential member, was like, fuck just that. Like, fuck, yeah. That's foul as hell. Like, no way I can rock with that. And like, Bro, I was yeah, gonna he... say, like, how you're explaining it kind of sounds like how Kanye West, like, sometimes, like, will just go on Twitter and just say some random ass shit. But, nah, that's, like, a thousand times worse than anything. Yeah, that shit was foul. And Jesus. He, like, that. he ruined a lot of relationships, literally just doing other shit like that. Like, that was probably the most high profile because everybody knew Yams. Like, Yams was yeah. a genius. Mm-hmm. But, and he like, just passed and shit, too. 
Yeah, so that was, like, the most high-profile, but he did shit like that, like, all the time. He would, like, rip off people for beats, apparently. Like, he was just... There's just fucking... It's sad, like, Loki but, a bad like, dude, it sounds. Like, he's... he's. I feel like he's just struggling with shit and not taking responsibility and, like, seeking the help that he needs. From yeah. what I've heard, he just has issues that he just kind of lets run rampant. And it's fucking sad, because he could have been so fucking prolific. Like, he could have been everywhere but now Mm -hmm. fucking everybody just talks about him like oh this guy who was influential it's a shame what happened like he's like a has-been type shit now pretty much it's fucking sad dude yeah well i mean you know if if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have radio clan which had rappers like dodo Gaddafi, uh amber london kinata young simi denzel curry eddie baker xavier wolf and even more and plus like associates with them as well Puya, Fatnik, Bones, and Little Ugly Mane. Oh my god. Lil Ugly Mane is crazy. He was another dude that was really in the mix, like, early on, and kind of helped popularize that sound in, like, a different kind of way. Like, if you haven't heard uh, Mr. Thug Isolation by Lil Ugly Mane, you have to hear it. It's fucking crazy. But he was, like, he's, like, less... A lot of these other dudes were, like, collective-based dudes. You know what I mean? ASAP Mob, Raider Clan. Lil Ugly Mane is just one dude who put out, like, this crazy influential music. Like, um, Suicide Boys were, like, cite Lil Ugly Mane as pretty much their biggest influence and inspiration. And, like, he was just one dude just doing this shit. No collective, just because he wanted to do it and he liked it. So, like, he's another dude that was just in the mix that you should go check out. But, yeah, their associates are really what makes Raider Clan so prolific, for sure. It really is fucking crazy, like, how many Raider Clan members and associates went on to have crazy, crazy successful crazy. solo careers, yeah. and, or even join other you know, popular collectives, one of these being Sesh Hollow Waterboys, which was formed by Bones. Yeah, like, a lot of these artists, like, this really isn't, like, my type of music, per se, but I've listened to a majority of these artists. Which yeah, is crazy exactly. that one guy is the one that kind of like sprinkled on the special salt type shit. Yeah, for real. Like, and and Sesh Hollow is really kind of like where we see trap metal as we know it start to emerge. And it was formed by Bones, but every other member, the other members are Xavier Wolf, Eddie Baker, and Chris Travis. Those dudes were all former Raider Clan. Like, it's crazy. That's fucked. It's Bones that is actually credited um, as being one of the first artists to really capture that trap metal sound that fans are familiar with today. Um, You know, that being a sound that is darker, faster, and way more violent than what Raider Clan was doing in their prime. The sound had louder bass and more use of guitars. Yeah, and he used a lot of the imagery that we see popular now in the the alt-rap scene, too. Like, he used a lot of the VHS filters on lo-fi music videos. He was, like, one of the first... I remember, like, he was, like, one of the first dudes to really start wearing, like black metal band tees like he would wear like dark throne tees and shit in like videos and like at the time when he started coming up everybody was like what the fuck but now like all your favorite rappers are wearing yeah straight even like the fashion like forward artists that you think of like travis scott and shit they brock metal band tees all the fucking time nowadays yeah dude fucking 100 percent See, Bones used heavy guitars and screaming, though most of his songs are more mellow and resemble artists like Puya. 
Yeah, exactly. Trap metal wasn't really his specific sound. If you go and listen to Bones, if you listen to his entire discography, he's kind of got a set sound that he's developed over the years. That is fucking kick-ass, by the way. Go listen to Unrendered. But um, trap metal's not his sound. He is a one of those artists in the dark trap vein that's doing specifically dark trap that has trap metal in his range and like if you need proof of like him being one of these super influential artists just go listen to i can see my house from here no spaces by bones that's like one of the earliest like trap metal second wave rap metal whatever you want to call it songs like that's just a straight up metal song pretty much with like emo vocals and you know he kind of like helped pioneer that screaming shit too go listen to uh Rest in Peace by Bones. Yeah, I mean, it's not trap metal in every song, but he started kicking it off. For some of his shit, he used a lot of that more screaming vocals, heavy guitar, and shit that was closer to metal. And I think that's why, you know, trap metal now is categorized as featuring heavy guitar riffs, screamed to rap vocals, industrial sounds, trap drums, loud 808, um, and a violent or aggressive tone. A lot of that is taken from Bones' early shit. Mm-hmm. He was super influential. I should also mention Cyber slash Syringe uh, from Anti World here, as he is also credited as pioneering the trap metal sound. Again, the debate of who really created the sound is up in the air, and there was no definite answer to that question. Yeah, like this situation is pretty much an identical mirror to the TI versus Jeezy slash Gucci situation. Um, for what it's worth, I think Bones started making music first because like i know he was literally making music when he was like fucking 11 or some shit but as to who was actually using the trap metal sound first i don't fucking know go listen to anti-world the first he just dropped anti-world too but go listen to cyber anti-world and like you'll see that he was like really he was on the forefront but i think bones was kind of using it kind of doing the shit maybe a little bit before I, I'm sort of going to jump around here and sort of go back to uh, SGP and Raider Clan sort of hailing from Florida because one of the most famous products of this Florida scene with ties to Raider Clan is X, rest in, rest peace. in peace. When he first started putting shit out in SoundCloud, it was straight trap metal. No questions asked. That shit was hard as fuck. Go listen to Willy Wonka was a child murderer. That fucking EP is literally just metal. Like metal, metal, like hardly any rap like it sounds like a fucking like slayer album it's insane i remember being in like grade nine and he, like being shown this shit on someone's shitty samsung on soundcloud with a distorted fucking image you know how soundcloud has that big background like on it yeah see, like, the waveform kind of play across and it was just like one of x's songs and they're like yo like listen to this shit it's fire and it's literally just this dude screaming over some loud distorted yeah. fucking beats and like what the fuck is this and it wasn't like, oh, this is shit. Like, I don't know what this is. This is like, like, this is new. Yeah, this is so different and weird, but it's kind of fucking good. Like, what yeah. the fuck? My favorite thing that he used to do with his old, like, trap metal shit is, like, it wasn't just the beat itself that was distorted. He distorted the fuck out of his voice. And it sounded so fucking cool every time mm -hmm. he did it. And that dude, like, I don't, like, I know that, like, we're, we're totally separating X's music from X as a person. Yeah, because as a person, he was a piece of shit. To. Yeah, that's something we kind of have to do. We're going to get a bunch of fucking hate from that, but we kind of have to separate his music versus him as a person because as an artist, 
he was crazy. He could do fucking anything. Like, when he got on heavy metal vocals, he could compete with fucking, like, Slipknot's vocalist. And then when he, like, sang, he was, like, straight up fucking, like, emo, like, light, emo, sad rock. And then he could just fucking spit, like, backpack raps, too. Like, he really, like, as far as artistry and musicianship... Yeah, he he might legitimately be like a once in a generation artist. That's a good point to make because X was classified as being an artist in like the trap metal genre first, but is as he started to gain a larger following and a bigger no- notoriety, he tried different styles and took on a more emo rap style when he got signed to Empire. Something uh, crazy about X. So I just want to say this real quick. I remember when like first started getting into X and he was just on SoundCloud, right? And it was a lot of metal shit screaming shit a couple like really like vibey rap music and then 17 came out his first fucking album blew my mind because i'm like wait how the fuck can you do so much shit and you can do it well i remember that shit that was mm-hmm. fucking weird I, I did not expect that like when that album yeah i wasn't out, expecting like, like email i was like yo he's gonna go like because look at me was his biggest song so i'm like yo he might like because of the success of that he's gonna lean into it but it was so fucking cool and impressive and kind of just like experimental how he had a song blow up like look at me where everyone knew it it was huge and he said all right i did that let me do this other shit i want to do just fucking mad cool that he did that he just subverted everybody's expectations and that can go so wrong like that album could have been a fucking flop but he did it so well that everybody was just like twice as fucking impressed as yeah and so right here this is where i want to make the note especially when we get into X's career and especially after X's career, this is where we need to make the distinction that I was talking about before. Like I said before, when we got into Raider Clan, we weren't really discussing the emergence of trap metal specifically. We were kind of discussing the emergence of alternative rap in general. The career of X is when trap metal really started coming into its own. Like when you listen to X's trap metal shit, that he inspired so many artists to just go and make that kind of fucking music that this is when you see kind of the splitting off point. And I hadn't really thought about this before, but when you think about it, all these like emo rap and then dark trap and then trap metal were all kind of bubbling up at the same time. But X, I think, really helped distinguish each part of them literally just within his own music because he would go and do hardcore trap he would go and make Willy Wonka as a child murderer but then he would go and put out an album like 17 and then sometimes he would just be like doing dark rap shit so X's career is kind of when alternative rap really split into those kind of three subgenres that exist on a spectrum that I was talking about oh, talking really about cool before point. yeah you can kind Cause... of credit that to X yeah cuz like when I really think about when he started, like, coming out and shit, especially when Seventeen came out, I remember seeing, like, shortly after around that, people like Lil Peep got a lot more attention because they were kind of on the same kind of energy where it was, like, sad, but, like, still we're going to take some influence from rap, some influence from, you know, rock music, metal music, and they all just fused it. And I feel like X kind of, like, in a way breathed life. Breathe? Can I say breathe? Is that a fucking passage of... Yeah, I don't fucking know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he just like breathed life into all those different subgenres, which was kind of crazy. 
in this like literally in the same way that 50 cent was like i'm gonna start putting out mixtapes and then everybody else was like oh shit we can just put out mixtapes x was like okay i'm just gonna put out a straight up emo album that's in that's got rap influences and then people who already existed and who were making music saw it and were like oh fuck you can do that you can just yeah. make emo rap Fu- that's what i want to fucking do okay cool i'm gonna do that then like he really like he fucking set the stage yeah and also like shit. um x being in the mainstream because at that point he was in the mainstream even for you know his shit that made him a piece of shit human being but he was in the mainstream everyone knew who he was so when he started doing that it kind of brought everything else also into the mainstream mm-hmm. i want to make he a point a too, to it. that i've noticed between bones and x is that they both like bones started with the trap metal sound and like started and dived into a more like emo rap dark trap sort of thing and then x sort of did the same thing except bones pioneered the sound and started doing something else and then x took that same travel sound popularized the fuck out of it and then went into a more you know emo dark trap uh dark trap sort of style i mean i here's the thing right bones if you go back because i've listened to bones since i was like probably 15 if you go back and listen bones never put out and i keep calling back to it because it's the heaviest ep that i can think of Bones never put out a Willy Wonka is a child murderer where every single song on there was just straight fucking metal, like guitars, actual drum lines. Bones never really did that. He kind of planted the seeds for that kind of shit by getting on some beats that were like that. But Bones, I would say that Bones really pioneered the dark trap sound. Like Bones set the stage for suicide boys fat nick and poya aka buffet boys uh buffet is that what they're i think that's it anyways fucking like he kind of set the stage for like the dark trap wave that would kind of give way and open up for trap metal and he influenced that too but i wouldn't say that he started as like trap metal and then moved to more emo i think bones just has his own sound that it kind of fathered a lot of the other sounds Okay, yeah, that's a lot better put than I than I had put it. So yeah, you are the fucking pro on this compared to me, so it makes more I'm sense. Fucking weird emo kid. That that is my <laughs> role. I think X was pretty influential, though. Would you say he was influential in artists like Scarlord? Just like yes or no, in terms Did of he style. Scarlord. In terms of style, yeah. Yeah, are you fucking kidding? A hundred percent. I don't think that Scarlord would exist without X. Yeah, because, well, Scarlord now is, you know, super fucking popular. He's excelling in this subgenre, and he has millions of fucking streams. He has millions of views on his YouTube videos. Like, it's it's fucking crazy where it's come. A hundred percent. And, like, these are all, like, artists who all kind of have developed their own unique sound. They've all kind of found their own lanes. You know, you get, like, City Morgue, who, like, pretty much exclusively does, like, heavy guitar beats. And then you've got Scarlord, who does, like, a lot of overblown 808s with screaming, very similar to X. But then you got dudes on, like, over on the, another side that are, like, NASCAR Aloe, where it's pretty much just, like, hardcore punk vocals over, like, aggressive trap. And, like, I think that that really kind of shows how much, like what you were saying earlier, how much trap metal really is just kind of like an umbrella term. Like, there's so many different styles in trap metal that are all trap metal. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's City Morgue, Cameron Ozzy, and Subjects, and NASCAR Allo, like you just said, are names that I constantly see come up when I'm, you know, trying to find fucking trap metal music to listen to, because this isn't, like, my genre. This is you. This is all you. So that's a lot of shit that I find when I'm trying to listen to this music. But again, going back to that umbrella term thing, NASCAR Allo is a great example of showing how trap metal is more of an umbrella term, because he's a lot closer to punk while incorporating trap sounds. Definitely. 100%. And like, yeah, it's all just totally unique sounds, totally different styles. And something that I'm really excited to see and kind of calling back to what we said earlier, I really fucking hope that trap metal does not stagnate because the seeds are planted for it to keep growing and being one of the most musically diverse subgenres that I think we've seen in a while. And I just hope that everybody keeps growing and experimenting and changing and that it doesn't stagnate and die out, especially after, like, the passing of X, who was kind of literally the mainstream access to this whole umbrella of alternative rap kind of stuff. And then, you know, Lil Peep passed and, like, a lot of these dudes are kind of who were on the forefront and really taking up the head as being the mainstream face of this stuff they passed away and it's sad as fuck but i hope that doesn't cause this genre to stagnate and just kind of you know lose its steam and 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 kind of become nothing sure and without svp without bones and without x trap metal might not be as relevant as it has become today yeah and even before them without black sabbath without corn three six mafia and ti this fucking fantastic subgenre that i personally love it's like my go-to it might not even fucking exist so that's our first episode thank you all so much for tuning in we hope you all had as much fun as we did it was a blast a little bit rough in some parts but it's our first episode give us a break i think we're going to kind of come into our own a little bit more um, if you want to send us an email for any reason, you know, if you have corrections, if you want to tell us we suck, if you want to tell Mason that he smells like sour milk because Just he does, fact. big facts. Like you, you don't shower, bro. <laughs> you look like you don't shower. So, But if you want to do any of that, you can send us an email at htfdwghpod at gmail.com. That's the first letter of every word of how the fuck did we get here pod at gmail.com i'll say it one more time htf dwgh pod at gmail.com please reach out this is our first episode literally just send us a fucking email being like hey i heard your episode thank you and we'll fucking appreciate it to death or just I'll be print like, it Nate, i really like your voice i'd appreciate uh, that suggest us yeah. some topics too some shit to talk about in the future that you think would be interesting for us to dive into and if you want to learn more about and so do we so yeah absolutely and uh you know send us an email i'll print it out i'll put it up above my bed i'll fucking jerk off to it or something especially hate good. mail especially, especially hate mail. the hate mail i'll put that yeah. shit on my fridge too Fuck. yeah big facts all right so there's one last thing that we got to do before we sign off sign off and that is to list off our sources we're not going to get every single source that we used here just because we used so fucking many because trap metal is such a new genre that there's not like a fucking documentary that's like the be all end all that you can go watch on it so i'm just going to rattle off all the sources that we used with a couple missing 
And if you don't give a fuck, just end now. You get the fuck off the podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, here, here's what we use. Metal, a headbanger's journey documentary off YouTube. The evolution of hip-hop on Netflix. What is trap music and where did it come from by the Music Origins Project. The Hip-Hop Heads subreddit. Shout out those guys. The history of trap metal and Under Our Rage, both by Life Happens on YouTube. That's life with a P-H instead of an F and a Y instead of an I. The Impact of Space Ghost Perp by Genius off YouTube. The Story of Raider Clan by Regal State on YouTube. The Trap Metal Wiki, obviously. Shout out those guys. A couple random Wikipedia articles here and there. And then Trap Metal plus The Future of Metal by the Punk Rock MBA, aka Finn McKenty on YouTube. Check him out, he's dope. And Who Invented Trap Music by Soundfield on YouTube. Hey, and go. that's our second episode. Thank you okay. so much. Okay. Been Good an absolute chef. pleasure. Peace. Peace. See y'all next time. Peace. 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 Peace.